0: This week on Dig Me Out.
1: And I usually avoid bands with blue in their title, so I was a little hesitant to go into this record, I gotta have to say.
2: So you have not listened to Blue's Traveler? Not by choice.
0: Tim and Jay Review, Patient by Blue Bottle Kiss.
2: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. Your host Timonichi and joining me once again, my co-host, Mr. Jason Ziak. J, it's episode 185-185 of season four. And we have another requested review. Requested,
0: requested review. review.
2: And I think I would like to create a special requested review jingo or 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 jingle just for our because we get so many Australian requests. We need to do one that like features uh, Russell Crowe or something like that, or Paul Hogan, uh, as as a like requested review Australia version something like that. All right. So this particular request to review comes from uh, Kim Bowie, who last year suggested we check out the album Spider Bait, and we both enjoyed that record quite a bit. Both. Uh, of us or we we both included uh, songs from that album on our top 5 for the year and he has suggested the album Patient by a band called Blue Bottle Kiss now Jay are you familiar with the band Blue Bottle Kiss because I am not
1: I am not and I usually um, avoid bands with blue in their title so, I was a little uh, hesitant to go into this record, I gotta say.
2: So, you have not listened to Blues Traveler? <laughs>
1: not by choice.
2: Not by choice. Okay, I understand that. So, why don't we talk some history of Blue Bottle Kiss so we know everything about them?
0: History of the band.
2: Blue Bottle Kiss formed in Sydney, Australia in 1993. The original lineup was Jamie Hutchings on vocals, guitar, and was also the primary songwriter. Ben Fletcher was the bassist and vocalist, and Peter Noble was the drummer. So they formed in 93, and between 93 and 95, they signed to Australia's Murmur Records, which was home for such bands as Silverchair and Something for Kate. They released their first album, Higher Up the Fire Trails, in 1995. And then they released the album Fear of Girls in 1996, which was produced by Jack and Dino. In 1997, uh, Peter Peter Noble left the drum kit and was replaced by Richard Conliano, Conliano. They released the album we're reviewing, Uh, In 1999, Patient on Citadel Records after leaving Murmur. In 2001, Ben Grounds was added as bassist and uh, Ben Fletcher moved to guitar. So they went from a three-piece to a four-piece. And the following year, they released the album Revenge is Slow. In 2003, new drummer Simon Fuhrer joined the band and they released the album Come Across. The following year, Fuhrer left and was replaced by Jared Harrison on drums. And in 2006, the band released the double CD, Doubt Seeds. Now, in addition to all the albums that rele- they released between 95 and 2006, um, they also released nine EPs. So this was a very busy band in terms of producing music. You can. They actually are still active in terms of their website. You can check them out at bluebottlekiss.com. I believe they put out a live album a few years back. So if you have an album that you would like to have us review, head on over to our request review page at digmeoutpodcast.com. Uh, Jay, we did not receive any Facebook feedback on this record so we're going to skip that and we're going to go right to our review. Let's do what I liked and what I didn't like about this record. I'm going to start it off, Jay. Usually I throw it to you when we do this, but I'm, I'm going to start it off. What I liked about this record, um, number one is, uh, the songwriting. Um, I think Jamie Hutchings is a really interesting songwriter, um, you know, when you get a, somebody who is a, a primary songwriter um, fronting a band, it can sometimes get a little singer songwriter singer songwritery. Uh, I'm thinking of like Coldplay, <laughs> where uh, you can pretty much like guess what these songs sound like just by acoustic you know acoustic guitar and piano versions, um, and they tend to follow a fairly similar vocal path from song to song, easy to pick out. In terms of a particular person's style, but Jamie Hutchings really jumps around a lot in his songwriting styles. If you take a look at uh, the opening track, or take a listen to the opening track "Return to the City of Folded Arms," which is a cool uh, title for a song, um, he has a really interesting vocal melody on this track uh, for the verses. They o- it, it's a it's a line, and then it almost overlaps with the next vocal line. Can't say that it's great to be- back when
0: all the lavender in my backyard is
2: Does a lot of really cool little things like that throughout the record, where he plays around with the way that the verses are structured, or the or the way that um, the dynamics work in the in the verses and the chorus. Uh, track five, running around the white picket fence, it actually is louder in the verse and then quieter in the chorus, which is a nice um, dynamic there. Um, And I just I really liked what he was doing as a vocalist and as a songwriter throughout this record, throwing a lot of different curveballs and changes of pace. So tell me one thing that you liked about this record.
1: Um, I'll pick up on that point. I I think there is a singer-songwriter element to this band, but what's great is that uh, he allows the band to take the songs over at times, and they Mm kind of go back and forth. So there's sections where it does feel more like – you know, a little bit more intimate, like one person with a song, um, whether it be, you know, an, or a break where it's, you know, acoustic or, you know, a small guitar and a vocal, but it very much can go in a band direction where things open up and they get a little bit experimental and, you know, allows the, the bass player and the drummer in particular to do some really interesting stuff with the rhythms um, mm-hmm. on the record. So it's kind of nice in that they serve songs to some degree, but they also have the freedom to kind of just be a band. And I and I like that quite a bit. Um, I like the the push and pull that happens between, you know, the, on this record with, you know, trying to create a concise song versus, you know, a band playing music that's interesting. Um, and I think for the most part on most of the record, the those two forces even each other out into something that's pretty cool.
2: Definitely. And uh, another thing that I really liked about this record is, is just in general, the whole record. I think it works as a very interesting piece of music. Um, They don't stick to one particular sound. The opening track has this, uh, actually reminded me of a song on, on the previous album. We just reviewed um, Ripe. There's a song called "Get Your Shit Together" and it has sort of this like lazy country feel, with um, some J masses guitar, and that's kind of how I describe "Return to the City of Folded Arms." It's actually a, a an interesting uh, take on that sound as well. They actually do some falsetto on that song, which reminded me of uh, J Massis, And then there's this like big guitar rave up part towards the end of the song, where there's a lot of noise, and after what was sort of a a mid-tempo-y kind of, it's kind of lazily moving along. It gets big and again, reminded me of some, some J Mass's Dinosaur Jr. stuff. And then the other thing that I, I, I liked, which was they got loud in some parts and the, the loud parts reminded me of, um, a couple of bands, um, that I wasn't expecting from a Australian band that released this album in 99. And that was like cursive and white octave, they had this like very abrasive in a good way emo feel um, to some mm. of the tracks. I'm thinking of like six wheels is a good example of track eight. like slow and heavy kind of has a sludgy kind of feel. And then it goes into this really melodic chorus. It's also on, I mentioned uh, running around the picket fence. It has that feel to me again of this, like sort of a white octave. If anybody's familiar with their one-off album, Menergy, um, kind of a, I think, I think a, a little bit of a classic record in terms of some of the sounds and songs on that record. But they incorporate, you know, I don't know if it was conscious or not, but there's, you know, a little bit of, like, American emo going on in some of these tracks. Um, I'm wondering if you picked up on that as, all, as well.
1: I did. I uh, I picked up on it as a bright eyes similarity. I did hear some of the cursive. I thought his vocal at times sounded a little bit bright eyes-like. Mm-hmm. Um, or Tim Casher. Like, musically, yeah, I can go into a similar place where it, you know, it can erupt into almost a just this epic-sounding tornado of you know fuzz and drama. You know, mm-hmm. um, some of the guitar stuff they use a lot of slide, which in effects that almost make it sound like a cello. There's moments on here where the guitar gets that big. Um, yeah. So uh, I did hear some of that. It doesn't have. Well, there are a couple of songs where it gets pretty angsty too, um, and really. Uh, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to look here to see what, what the one song is that starts off really aggressive. I think six wheels yeah. starts off really aggressive. And that's a little bit unexpected as the record goes. Like that that angst and aggression sort of builds out of this band. You they don't hit you over the head with it on the first half of the record, but it kind of introduces itself here and there and then towards you know the the, the final third of the record, you you see that side of the band. Um, so they kind of prepare you for it, um, which is cool. But yeah, I, I heard that. I would say it's... I'm hesitant to use the word emo. I just don't think of those bands as being... I don't know. I think of when we say the word emo now, we're, we're thinking of something that's a little bit more based in like... I don't know. Commercial punk. We'll Dashboard say.
2: confessional. You
1: know? And it's more of like a, I guess, midwestern emo. like mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is more... The bands we're talking about are like, when they're Nebraska-based, right, or Oklahoma or something. They're like more—I don't know—it's more of a um, an amped-up, built-a-spill or something like a to alternative rock or something. Gotcha. Um, but I definitely heard all the bands you mentioned. I definitely heard I would throw Bright Eyes in there too, and that's where I think the singer-songwriter aspects—you know—when he goes down to an acoustic and you just hear his voice—I um, was thinking of, of Bright Eyes.
2: Okay. I can hear that. I, I definitely heard some Conor Oberst um in terms of I guess phrasing and, and some of the cadences of of his mm-hmm. of his vocals. In terms of what I didn't like, um I felt like although I thought all the songs were cool and I, and I thought it worked as a overall as an album, I did feel like some of the tracks didn't necessarily have strong choruses. Um it wasn't something that I was more latching on to interesting musical movements and interesting parts. And there were definitely some, some vocal parts that I liked, but I didn't necessarily start humming any particular choruses. And then the, on the last half of the record, or the bottom half of the record, um, I sort of lost interest around track nine. Um, it's seven minutes long. Uh, it actually starts out as kind of a cool track, and then it goes into this long intro, long outro that's totally different from the rest of the song. And I just felt like it was a wrong turn. If it, if it felt like if that song had been five minutes and it ended sort of like where it started, would have liked it a lot more. And then the last track uh, paddock blues, is just sort of a lot of noise with some slide guitar and some other random instruments. It didn't necessarily end the record on the most favorable note for me. Not that I would, Necessarily delete those songs, but I just felt like they weren't up to par with the rest of the record.
1: I I like this band, does you know, get experimental and jam out at in some parts, some songs towards the ends of some or bridges. Um, I actually didn't mind it. Um, I know we've been critical of it with other bands quite a bit in the past, I know I have a lot. Um, and it's usually a you know, a, a deal killer for me. Um, the difference with this band is I feel like most of them, not all of them, there's a couple that get, you know, like track tang, it's noisy to the part of you can't even listen to it. But nine and some of the others, uh, even eight, I at least feel like they're keeping it interesting. It, it resolves to something, you know, it either build, it slowly builds to a crescendo or they intersperse, like, you know, they let emer- um, new melodies emerge out of it and then play off of those. And there's themes that develop and then they, Work them into the next part. Um, there'll be a, a new vocal part that's introduced that actually is, you know, relatively hooky within some of that chaos. So it, I actually like it on this band. It doesn't bother me as much as it has on some of the others. I think they pull it off, at least for me, more successfully. Um, if I had to pick something that didn't, I, I guess, uh, I would say less successful at times, I think vocally the record is usually really strong it's 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 odd I, I love the the harmonies that they do i love when he introduces the falsetto mm-hmm. there's times when you know well, the majority of the record honestly where i think his vocal is great he's got a lot of range in terms of he you know he can do a scream he can do a quiet uh, more melodic piece there are some notes though that like uh, stick out every now and then that he's off And and not in a good way. Like, you know, I mean, this is an American Idol here, you know, but there's some notes and some parts of songs where the vocal, the melody doesn't seem that complicated and he just delivers a sour note. And it makes me scratch my head like, well, well, that's probably one you could have fixed. Like it's not really, he's not like going into a scream or, you know, it's, it's, it kind of stands out as, um, maybe more of a mistake than a, um, you know, trying to, you know, it's kind of cool at times the vocal sounds a little fragile and, I, and that works for cursive at times too. And, and for Conor Oberst and, you know, some of those bands to have a, a vocal that sounds a little bit fragile, like it could, you know, break at any moment, but the what times it happens on this record, there's probably two or three or four where it's more of a, you know, it sounds like a mistake. It doesn't sound like uh it's not endearing in any way, right? So, those are a couple of things that stood, you know, just that stood out to me. Um, I love the drums on this record. I think it's an underrated part of the of the band.
2: Yes, um,
1: there's a couple couple songs on here where um, the, the drums and the bass are really driving things, and it almost sounds like there's two drummers playing. Like the the combination of the rhythms. Um, uh, that the drum will be playing and the width, the bass part is 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 locking up with that. He'll go into a fill and it almost sounds like the fill was overdubbed on top of you know another basic drum track. It's pretty crazy. And there's a lot of just personality that comes through in this record through the rhythm parts. It's very um, what was the term I use? Rollicking at times. <laughs> you know, it has like an attitude to it. That's you know, it kind of like a, uh, I envision like a um, like a, a ship or a boat that's kind of rocking back and forth and there's just a lot of, um, personality and, and, um, it's a little bit, it's boomy. It's, um, it's, it's really solid, but it just had a life to it. You know what I mean? It's not so solid to where it starts to feel mechanical. It still has very much of a swing and a feel to it. Um, so I, uh, big, big props to the drummer and the bass player on this record who I think carry, carry most of it, you know, the the songs are strong, but, um, uh, there's a strong core there, but it's, I think it's all held together by those two guys. Um, Guitar-wise, I think it's really, really successful most of the time. I guess if there was one other complaint I would have is that it does get a little muddy it, uh, from, from time to time, um, just the overall mix. Um, it, it just the tones they're using are very difficult to um, sometimes separate. They do do a pretty interesting thing, though, in regards to that, is that, you know, things will get muddy, When they're getting loud, and in most of those cases, you're like, "Well, the band can't get any louder," and somehow they get louder. (laughs) Like, I don't know if they like overdub more guitars, or if they just switch up the the mix a little bit. But you'll hear like a um, a new guitar like panned further out in space, or they'll they'll introduce a fuzz that's panned out further in space, and it like opens the song up even bigger than you thought it could get. Um, So all in all i think they manage you know the the beast they create with these guitar tones which are you know very um organic sounding and overdriven and you know they have a they're they're a little unruly they're not compressed you know they can they can go in all different kinds of areas and create all kinds of overtones they do a pretty good job of managing that so it's not a huge complaint but um that would probably be the only other one i could think
2: of uh going back on your point about the drums i think one of the highlights in terms of the drum tracks is uh, track three, Girl Genius. And it has this, you know, sort of mid tempo acoustic guitar intro. And then the drums come in like a minute or so into the song, but they're playing this rhythm that's not typical, not what necessarily you would expect. And it's really big, but it's simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's, it's just a really cool, simple yet compl- I, I guess simple but complex drum part is the way I would describe it. Cuz you could have a drummer come in and do something really elaborate or you could have him do something very very straightforward, but what he does here is not arrhythmic, but he's definitely not playing a straight up beat. Yeah. I don't know, but I felt like that to me was like the perfect encapsulation of like how the drums are a integral part of Creating the overall sound of this song, and it's on a song that it's where you can really hear the drums because there's not a overly distorted guitar over top of them. And I think, am I wrong? Is there a girl yeah. or a female vocal on that track for part of it, or is that a um, the, the bass player playing? Yeah, I would
1: say it, it's it, it's definitely a different person. Whether or not it's a girl, it could be, um, okay. or it could be somebody singing falsetto. It's kind of hard to tell.
0: Your neighbor, your record player speaks to you all evening. Well, she's downstairs smashing things as she's cleaning. Ought to be you. Still, you're a genius girl through and through. In summer, you dress up in winter's clothes. bye
1: I agree that in fact, um, particularly on that song, because he's not playing a lot of symbols. Uh, if you just listen to the drum sound, the drums actually sound a lot like, uh, Phil Collins, um, in the air tonight, (laughs) like that. It's got like that almost like, um, a slap back kind of reverb on them. Mm -hmm. So you kind of get this big, like kind of sound. So, yeah, it's it's really, really well done in terms of drums. They also sequence the record really well. So it kind of follows the classic format of they start with a strong uh, kind of signature song that it, pretty short doesn't, you know, kind of uh, spoil anything, but gives you a flavor for the band. And then they crank things up a little bit on track two and it's a little bit bigger and faster. Um, and then they pull it down and this is, you know track three is where they strip it down some, you know, and they take it down a couple notches. So you can start to see, you know, the sequence here of, of that they're going to take you on a journey. And then as the album progresses, it they get more aggressive. You know, the vocal starts to get more aggressive. The, some of the parts can get, you know, faster and bigger. Um, and then, and then they kind of resolve it all, you know, um, by bringing back some of the things you heard earlier in the record and, so I think it's 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 actually sequenced really well, which is something I don't think we often are able to say about a lot of the records that we re- have been reviewing lately. But but I like this one quite a bit. And you know, another band um, that comes to mind a little bit, especially vocally, is I think at times he sounds a little bit like Dave Perner from Soul Asylum.
2: Hmm, like it kind of has a little one.
1: bit of that. Like when he gets up in the higher more like nasally kind of sound he just reminded me a little bit of that. And some of that's like I think some of the uh, strummy acoustic kind of basis that some of these songs have at their heart that comes through clearly sometimes. And other times I think it's like a a ghost perhaps of where the song started, you know, like uh, you may have brought it to the band in that format by the, by by the time they recorded it, all that had been taken out, but there's still like a soul and a, and a ghost, if you will, of the remnant of that. And I think that 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 kind of reminded me of a, at least what I'm familiar with with Soul Asylum too is that there's there's that remnant left of you know song, a guy writing these songs on acoustic guitar, but letting the band kind of take them over and take them to new places.
2: You're speaking probably of the early to mid era Soul Asylum, and not the um, not the misery era, the really late era. I'm guessing in terms of uh, yeah, I don't know any of that. Yeah, okay. So let's talk about our overall for this record. Uh, worthy album, better EP, decent single. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to go first, as I can wield my power as the person speaking. And I'm going to say that this is, in fact, a worthy album. Uh, even though I don't necessarily love the last couple tracks, I feel like the first like seven or eight songs are just all really strong. All have unique personalities, I'll put it. They all have... Kind of cool sounds in in their own right. Nothing, not a lot is repeated from song to song in terms of guitar tone, and you know some of them get a little heavier, some of the lighters. You get acoustic guitars, you get dirty acoustics, you get electrics that are, you know, really fuzzed out. Um, The drums are doing a lot of cool things. The bass is doing a lot of cool things, and uh, you know, like I mentioned at the top, there's a lot of cool vocal stuff going on. Not necessarily building to these massive choruses but just you know enough in each of the verses and on each track to um to keep you interested so second week in a row we've got a uh, a worthy album from a request to review down under so jay what about you
1: uh i meant a worthy album um this is an album that um uh, you know my first impression of it it was a little bit scattered um you know i i you kind of get into it and it starts off with kind of that acoustic vibe and, you know, track three brings that back a little bit. And then track five is, you know, in your face, you know, it's almost like a different band, at least through the verses. Um, But then you listen to the whole song and the chorus kind of goes back to what you heard in some of the earlier songs. And then they reprise some of that angst later in the record and it all starts to make sense. So the more I listen to it, the more I like this record kind of reminds me of cursive in that way. Like, Mm -hmm. I remember that experience with them, you know, I, I remember hearing a song and liking it and then getting, you know, the full record and sort of not quite sure about the whole thing. And then ended up falling in love with the band and, you know, absolutely loving everything they did. And I feel like this is a similar kind of band where you're kind of drawn in from one angle and then you're exposed to some others and you, you know, with spending some time with it, it all starts to make sense and gel together and, um, you just end up enjoying it even more um, because of that. So, um, yeah, I feel pretty good about this record, really. I mean, I, I like all the songs on it. Um, even the parts that are a little bit looser and less, you know, sort of refined, I don't think they're n- unsuccessful. So, yeah, a really good record for me.
2: Well, that's two worthy albums for the suggestion of Blue Bottle Kiss and their record patient we need to thank kim Bowie who suggested this record another fine selection kim uh way to go and uh we'll see if like last year's uh, suggestion of spider bait if any of this ends up on our uh year in review uh come in this december there's a chance that it might we'll see still got august through uh december of uh potential suggestions and new uh or not new but uh stuff we haven't heard yet popping up and you know wowing us but uh two weeks in a row very strong contenders for uh the end of the year best of show so again thank him and uh want to remind everybody if you want to suggest an album to review or for us to review uh head on over to digmeoutpodcast.com and uh, we'll be happy to check it out. And if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. Uh, thank everybody for listening, checking us out on uh, Radio IO and Stitcher, iTunes, all the various outlets you can listen to this podcast on. Uh, that's it. We're going to be back uh, next week with another episode. Dig me out.